0: This is Dr. Charles Parker and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting, different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome board folks. Dr. Charles Parker here at Core Brain Journal one more time. And we have a very interesting, somewhat controversial guest on tonight. We have another guest. We've had several, I'd say two other people, talk passingly about CBD, medical marijuana, and the usefulness of it medically. This is the first physician we've had on, so stay tuned. This is going to be very interesting. Dr. Rachna Patel joins us from the beautiful state of California right in San Francisco Bay. Welcome, Rachna. look forward to talking to you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on the show.
0: Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so what we're going to do is have a couple of words from our sponsors, and then we'll get to know about you and your understanding and medical application for CBD. So Corporate Journal is supported by Direct Health Access Laboratory with over 3 million studies. They are deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. We've had a number of Uh, meetings here, episodes where we've been talking about the molecular physiology of brain science. And these folks are leaders in the laboratory uh, venue, uh, global service with a molecular focus. See more laboratory details at DHA Lab, singular, dhalab.com forward slash core, C-O-R-E like Apple Core. Core Brain Journal is also supported by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center Team's here in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide an advanced form of residential care on an evolved family, interpersonal, and indeed global level. They are TRICARE friendly, and they do comprehensive testing on anyone that comes in with a significant treatment failure. They're going to go further than just take care of business from a residential point of view. They're deep, deep players. We welcome our work with them. So if you go over to barryrobinson.org forward slash core, B-A-R-R-Y robinson.org forward slash core, you can find out more about their measurable biomedical reality over there. So now let me introduce Dr. Rajna Patel. She's been practicing in the area of medical marijuana for a half decade now since 2012. Honestly, I didn't know it had been around that long. This, is, this makes you an experienced old age uh, expert. It's fantastic. Yeah. She step-by-step walks patients through how to use medical marijuana for their specific medical conditions, which we're going to spend some time talking about tonight. And this is all without getting high off of the marijuana, without getting addicted to it, without smoking it. Very, very important. She speaks from the experience of having treated thousands of patients, not 100 or 200, and having thoroughly reviewed the medical research on marijuana. She completed her medical studies at Toro University College of Osteopathic Medicine in Vallejo, California, and her undergraduate studies at the beautiful College of Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, a very highly regarded school. And you can learn more about her work, uh, the work that she does, at Dr. Dr. Rachna Patel, dot com. So welcome aboard, Rachna. Now, please tell us how you began to drift over here into this particular form of medicine. And before we even start there, what was your originally training? Are you a family practitioner, internal medicine What was your original training?
1: Yeah, so my background is actually in emergency medicine. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, you know, while I was going through training, here's what I was finding. I was seeing patients that would come in uh, experiencing side effects from a lot of the prescription medications that they were on. I was seeing patients that were, you know, commonly known as drug seekers coming into the emergency room to get their fix, typically of an opioid medication. Um, and then I was also in the unfortunate situation of having to resuscitate patients who overdosed on prescription pain medications. Mm. So you know, why do we all become doctors to save lives? And what was I not doing, saving lives? Because mm. on the one hand, I was giving out prescriptions, and and there were people, patients. Uh, on the other hand, that were coming in with side effects. Uh, with addictions to these medications and um, and they were overdosing on these medications. A lot of these lives we weren't able to save. So I've witnessed firsthand what has now been labeled as the opioid epidemic. Um, and at that time, you know, I, I experienced a lot of insomnia in residency. So I spent a, a lot of time like any other insomniac surfing the Internet. And I was um, on Craigslist. And there was an ad that said medical marijuana doctor needed. So that piqued my curiosity. And I spent a good year just diving deep into the research. And about a year later, I was compelled that, you know, this has a good potential to treat chronic pain. So that's when I decided, okay, you know, I have the knowledge, but I need the clinical experience. So I went and worked at a medical marijuana clinic in Sacramento
0: mm-hmm well that must have been interesting because you got right down into into the the depths of the whole thing did they really specialize there uh, on pain with uh, was that one of the main things it's at, at Sacramento that they taught you or how what no.
1: so, so let me tell you what this was I mean the, the medical marijuana industry has very shady beginnings um, still does But basically there were clinics popping up everywhere Um, uh, doctors that typically weren't, couldn't practice in conventional medicine because there was some situation going on with their license or they were a retired physician who was looking to make, um, uh, An income on the side. Those are the physicians that worked at these practices and essentially they were just mills where where doctors were handing out cards Unfortunately, but what I found in a couple you know like a month into this. I was like, okay th- There's no integrity in this. I, I can't continue to practice in this way But what I found was that there was a patient population that came to me in at the capital mainly attorneys There were a lot of attorneys coming to me at that time and they were really interested in, in knowing exactly how to use the medical marijuana so that they weren't experiencing side effects. And, you know, given all the research that I'd gone through and, and also studied the pharmacology of it, I, I knew how to, how to guide them, how to direct them. And that's when I realized that, that people want this. Patients want this information. So I, a year and a half later, I earned enough capital to start my own practice. Uh, it was a very lean practice. But, um, but, but I went ahead and started my own practice just because there was a need that, that I felt really needed to be, to, to be served.
0: That's interesting. So then when you open your practice, what you're saying is with that medical investment, you really, you, you, you got street practice, you really set up an office and got yourself all set up. Now, was that office primarily at the time, strictly medical Did you start there with with that when you opened your doors?
1: Yeah. The only thing that I've ever practiced is medical marijuana. Um, I, I, I truly believe in in the medical value of this in comparison to a lot of uh, pharmaceutical medications. So, So yeah, that is all I practice and I've studied it in depth.
0: Great. So then let's talk about it. So pain, and I'm telling you really, I'm very interested in what you're talking about because we see pain all the time and we're dancing yeah. around it. I'm a psychiatrist and as a psychiatrist, we have people who are we now have regulations in Virginia that, you know, if a person's on any kind of an opiate, whether we're writing it or not, if we write a benzo with that opiate, I don't know if that's a federal law or not, but we have to make sure they have, uh, you know, the uh, oral nasal spray, you know, so, I mean, I mean the, you know, the, you mean Narcan, the Narcan spray is okay. why I said oral nasal, but I mean, you know, they have to have the spray in their purse, their pocket or whatever. Okay. To show they have to demonstrate that because otherwise we're in some kind of um, legal encumbrance, shall we say. Yeah. If yeah. we don't know that and we don't have it verified and, and have it all signed for it. So it's, you know, we're looking for options to help people out without having to jump through the hoops of fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, what do you do then? Uh, do you actually, are you uh, hooked up with a person that supplies? specific CBD and how is that CBD manufactured?
1: So here's, so I sort of want to demystify myth here. Uh, THC has just as much medical value as CBD. So CBD is not sort of the cure all. Um, I, I recommend both depending on the medical condition that I'm treating. Oh, you do. Yeah. Now depending, so to back to answer, answering your question, um, You asked uh, if I am partnered up with a a dispenser. I'm not, by law I cannot be. Um, So the way it works is that there are dispensaries in the state of California that are, are specifically licensed to dispense medical marijuana, and the patients need the paperwork, it's called a medical marijuana card or a medical marijuana recommendation to gain entry into these dispensaries. And that's how these patients get access to these products. Now, it's not as highly regulated as prescription medications. I can certainly make my recommendations, but the patients are really at liberty to purchase whatever they'd like.
0: Well, break down. I'm going to interrupt you right there for just a second because you piqued yeah. my interest because I've been really so much against. I was board certified in addiction medicine for 10 years. We've run programs, uh, addiction recovery programs many years ago. Mm -hmm. All before all of this came to bear, we saw people very seriously disturbed with THC addiction. And people think THC is not addictive. So then the question is, uh, because you said that kind of quickly, but I want to tease that apart a little bit because this is news to me. And it's got to be news to other people. What would you see the differentiation would be between somebody who's a THC person and Mm -hmm. a CBD person? How does all that work?
1: So it depends on the medical condition, right? So the conditions in which patients benefit from THC include um, uh, uh, anorexia, so anybody who needs appetite stimulation, um, nausea, vomiting, um, uh, uh, what else? Anybody who, who's had some, any sort of eating disorder as well. Um, now, in autoimmune conditions, such as Crohn's disease, such as um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, for instance, Uh, Patients benefit from both, from from THC and CBD. And then CBD, I found clinically, um, I've seen good results in patients with uh, muscle-related conditions, so patients with multiple sclerosis, patients with nerve-related conditions, so patients with neuropathy, um, patients with anxiety, it works well for And, uh, you know, insomnia, it really depends uh, on the severity of the insomnia. In some cases, patients benefit from from CBD. In other cases, they benefit from what's called CBN, which is a breakdown product of THC. So it really ultimately comes down to the medical condition. And I've seen this play out clinically. Um, There there are patients in pain who come to me saying that, that high CBD products don't help them. Um, And they, they, you know, depending on the type of pain, of course, um, and they really benefit from uh, adding THC to the mix.
0: That's interesting. So then what's the, I mean, California is different than some of the other states, but just so Uh, our listeners, so I can understand it. Sure. uh, What do you do with THC? Do you tell them to go out and smoke a joint a day or how do you actually deal with the THC? Does it come in a different way? a vehicle by which they can take it without having to smoke it. How does all that work?
1: Yeah. So basically I'm setting parameters for patients within which to use the medical marijuana so that they don't experience side effects. Right. Um e- So basically, I'm walking them through specific ratios to use—ratios of CBD to THC. Now, we're fortunate in California because we get access to products that are laboratory tested, so patients know exactly what they're putting into their bodies, right? And in addition, they're also tested for things like pesticides and fungicides, and fungus and bacteria as well. Now, is it to the the quality level of a, a? you know, uh, standardized pharmaceutical medication? No, it's not. But a lot of patients, it, it, it's enough where they can, uh, they know what they're putting in their bodies and they can, they can make do with that.
0: Well, there's a measure of greater safety is what you're saying. They have some consciousness about it yeah. instead of just chopping it off from a cornfield and, and serving it up. I mean, you know, the issue is they're trying to do something uh, reasonably protective. But again, yeah. help us a little more with that point you raised there. Uh, yeah, so,
1: what, in how addition… Do you,
0: how does it come? Go ahead. Sorry.
1: So, in addition, I'm walking them through appropriate delivery methods, right? So I always uh, uh, tell my patients, I, I generally um, advise my patients not to smoke marijuana. Uh, Long term, it does damage to the lungs. Um, there are alternatives. There, you can vaporize medical marijuana, which is basically heating the plant rather than burning it, so you're not creating the, the hydrocarbons that are created from combustion. Um, You can ingest it. You can also use it topically. It comes in the form of a salve or an ointment. You can use it um, uh, as as an edible, so you can ingest it. I don't know if I already said that. And then you can use it sublingually as a a tincture. And then believe it or not, there's also rectal and vaginal formulations as well. Of course, I use those less often than the other formulations. And then I'm also walking them through how often to use the, the medical marijuana, I'm uh, walking patients through how to avoid side effects um, and also how to be smart consumers about medical marijuana because it's not a regulated industry. There's sort of insider details that I'm, I'm sharing with patients so that they, they are then empowered with the knowledge to, to make the selection as opposed to, you know, a bud tender telling them at a dispensary, hey, this is what you should buy. I used it last night. It was great. You know, that sort of, that sort of thing.
0: Well, give us a couple of hints on this medical insider thing, because we're not all living in California, and there's some, a number of our folks are living in in countries that don't permit marijuana on any yeah. level whatsoever, so but I'm still interested nevertheless in how you're thinking about it, what you would tell an individual what to watch for so they get more more informed.
1: um. Okay, so basically, uh, I you know I walk them through like side effects, for instance, what sort of side effects to watch out for, and um, when to uh, lower their doses should they experience side effects. But then everything that I'm teaching them is helping them to avoid side effects in the first place. I'm walking mm-hmm. them through a titration process when oh, it comes you. to dosing. Yeah. Um, you know, so 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 nuances like that helps to keep the medication within certain parameters so they're not getting side effects from it essentially you know and to touch on your um your concern about addiction you know it is it is definitely an addictive medication but that has to be taken into context and here's what i found a lot of the research that's done is done in heavy users of marijuana Um, these are folks that are using it multiple times a day and on an everyday basis now realize that Marijuana is The chemicals in marijuana, the cannabinoids, are fat soluble, and so uh, the vast majority of my patients, they don't have to take it on an everyday basis. Uh, It's really an as-needed medication, and they can stop taking it whenever they need. They can stop taking a cold turkey uh, without experiencing any withdrawal because they're using it within moderation. I got you. So so that's what I've seen, um, uh, you know, clinically.
0: Well, that makes a lot of difference because yeah. that, is, that was exactly what I was asking about to tell you the truth because my experience in addiction medicine is seeing people who were doing you know, two, three blunts a day and, and have no idea all they were doing was just getting completely stoned yeah. and they were building up the THC in their system so much so that when they stopped using, they would actually have significant withdrawal right around 14 days after their last intake because they actually yeah. had, they had significant mar- uh, marijuana withdrawal. Uh, it was in the fat, and uh, I'm assuming, uh, based on what you were saying and what I've heard about previously, and they would actually get crazy, you know, about 14 days down the road. So yeah. I was convinced, having seen that number of times, that addiction was possible. But what you're saying is in contradistinction to that particular point is you're not using at that level. You're being very careful, titrating it very carefully, titrating folks who don't know is getting the dose exactly right. So it has a clinical effect without having an adverse effect. That's the, yeah. that's the effort.
1: Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that most people don't know how to use marijuana medically. They've used it in high school. They use it in college recreationally, and typically they overdo it. And it's at that point where they're experiencing the adverse effects of it. A lot of times I have patients coming in and telling me, you know, the last time I used it in college or in high school, I, I felt paranoid or I felt really anxious or, uh, you know, it knocked me off my feet and I, I couldn't do anything for hours. That's, that's an overdose is essentially
0: what it is. Well, as innocent as I am about this subject, I still would like to know how does it actually, does it delivered. You were talking about these admixtures. You were talking about percentages of THC, CBD. Does yeah. it come in a capsule, a tablet? Does it come in a, uh, you know, you were talking about SABs and so on and so forth, but I'm yeah. still, how, what's the customary way that you give it?
1: Uh, Various different ways. There's edibles that are available in the market. Typically, those come in the form of either chocolates or gummies, Um, but you can also find lozenges, capsules, Um, tinctures, so basically drops that you can take under the tongue. Um, Sometimes they have a spray on top, so you can spray it under the tongue as well. Uh, These topicals are typically extracted in coconut oil. Um, They could be extracted in like denatured alcohol as well um and then uh what else is there there's these vape vaporizers vape, vape pens and that's when the chemicals are extracted in a solvent uh, unfortunately the most common solvent that's used is butane which if you can imagine long term right. does, yeah. does damage the so lungs yeah yeah so um uh those are all the different formulations um ma- uh, mainly that that it comes in
0: okay and so let's go oh, i'm sorry you finish i, I interrupted you You're oh right. no go ahead You took a breath. (laughs) It's funny. When you're interviewing someone, you know, you you look for that opportunity just to elaborate on something. And really the thing I was wondering here is uh, the issue of the two types again. When do you really say, it sounds like from what you were saying we were talking about, is that the more gastrointestinal problems, the more you're on a THC side. And the more you have neurologic physical pain problems, the more you're on a CBD side.
1: So the way I typically approach it is, with, let's say pain, for instance, um, I, I usually categorize it into nerve-related pain, muscular pain, or bone-related pain, okay? Um, so that's how I usually categorize it. Um, and I found that with nerve-related pain and muscle-related pain, it's the CBD that helps. CBD has antispasmodic properties. Bone-related pain is an inflammatory pain. Now, both CBD and THC have anti-inflammatory properties. So in, that, in, in bone-related conditions, for instance, um, it benefits patients benefit from both. Um, so, so it really comes down to the condition, but it also comes down to the combination of conditions that patients have as well, right? So, uh, so that's the other factor that I that I take into consideration.
0: That's a big, big jump. Now, what we're going to do is take a break here, but I have this other question that I'm uh, really bursting to ask you, and that is the whole opiate question. And there are several different subsections to it. Okay. What do you do with a person that is taking opiates? Do you mix the opiates together? Do you get them off the opiates first, and then do? How does all that happen? I'm going to come back in just a moment and ask you to really tease that apart because we are, as you know, in an opiate crisis. And I think the answers that you have would be very, very germane to a number of individuals. So with that, we'll take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those Very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from six to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know? We refer folks over there all the time. Strongly endorse what they're doing. So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash CORE. Well, you folks already know that here at CoreBrain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Well, thank you for coming on, Dr. Ruchna Patel. We're really interesting here from San Francisco, where they are more liberal in certain respects. There are other states that are doing this, But your considerable experience guides us into this next question, and that is the whole opiate situation. I mean, as a medical practitioner who would like to all my life been interested in helping people, just as any medical practitioner, how do we take that next step with someone who has an opiate on board? We wonder whether they're using the opiate too much. We want to try to introduce CBD if if it was available. How does all that interface and that transition take place? What, what's your experience with that?
1: Yeah. So, in, so let me talk about it in terms of results and then I'll, I'll get more logistical about it. In terms of results, what I've seen are one of three scenarios when it comes to prescription medications, even specifically opioid prescription medications. So I've seen patients be able to come off of their, their opioid medications and just use medical marijuana to help manage their symptoms or their medical condition. Mm-hmm. That's my best case scenario, uh, and it happens actually quite often. Uh, then there are patients that are they're not able to come off of these prescription medications, but they can significantly reduce the doses of these prescription medications, and so in effect, they're experiencing fewer side effects from these from these medications. And then, um, then sort of the worst case scenario is is that the patients still need to stay on their prescription medications, um, but using the medical marijuana in conjunction. Uh, helps to manage their symptoms better. Now, logistically, I have not found any adverse drug-to-drug interactions between opioids and marijuana. In fact, there's research that shows that marijuana may enhance the effect of opioids, which is why patients are able to uh, either reduce their, their doses or eliminate the use of the opioid medications. So... Um, it, it, yeah. And, and, and it, it, I would say the vast majority of my cases usually fall within the, the first of the two scenarios where they're able to eliminate their prescription medications or they're able to reduce the use of their prescription medications.
0: So that's very interesting. So then the next question is, do you try regarding that CBD, THC, because some of these different conditions could have opiates associated with them. It doesn't, you know, matter which one it would be. Yeah. You then, you then, this is where it becomes more complex because some of those folks are going to use a mix combination mm-hmm. while you're attempting to get them off the opiates because you know that mix combination is going to hit that system of symptoms more effectively than just throwing TB, uh, CBD at them. Um,
1: okay, so. I'm not sure I understand your question there.
0: well, what I was really looking at you there there's a complexity of problems that a person has yeah. and what you're saying is that you're able to do one of those three things in the end, but yeah. to get to those endpoints, it sounds like also you mix the preference of cbd thC with a specific condition in addition to modifying the opiate situation and and it's, so it's more than just coming in with CBD to modify the opiates.
1: Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think as a physician, you'll find this really interesting. A lot of my patients will ask me, well, once I come off of the opioids, will I have to readjust the dose of the medical marijuana? And they don't. Oh, that works, is interesting. Yeah. They, they, it works through its own system. So they can stay on the same dose while being able to eliminate their, uh, you know, these opioid medications. So I found that very fascinating, something I was not expecting. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Well, that's, that bodes well for a considerable amount of individuals who are suffering with this. They may not live in California, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but the issue is there. So then what is your um, exposure with them over time? Do you then... How do you follow a person like that? You know, what we do with stimulant medications, because I've been working in ADHD land for a long period of time, and the standard of care in the country is seeing somebody every three months, once, even on stimulant medications, as long as you see them and you're on top of them uh, correctly, that is a standard of care. Is there a standard of care regarding C CB- yeah. What happens over there?
1: Yeah. So the medical board here, their, their, their standard, standard of care is at least annually. So it's not, not very often, but because I've been practicing for so long, I've seen the same patients over and over again. And I do make myself available for follow-ups as well. So either I'm doing follow-ups by phone or, um, or in office.
0: Mm-hmm. That'd be great. You, you, you would be a great one for uh, telecommunication.
1: That's actually my next plan is that I have now been getting calls from people all over the world uh looking to work with me because you know, who in the world doesn't have pain, anxiety, insomnia? And so what I'm doing is I'm actually closing down my brick and mortar and transitioning to a virtual practice.
0: Oh, you are, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you deal with that? So if somebody is in um, well, let's just take Virginia for example. You know. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, to tell you the truth, I think there's some CBD available in Virginia. I don't prescribe it because I don't know enough about it. That's one of the reasons I'm happy to have a person like you on to learn more about it because I think there are some applications for it based on interviews we've had with other experts. But let's just say, for example, somebody's in the state of Virginia.
1: Yeah, so based. How does it work?
0: Go ahead. You you go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. So I actually had to talk this over with an attorney. And so basically these consultations that I would give would be not in the capacity of a physician-patient relationship, but they would be for educational informational purposes. Um, The other thing that I'm creating to sort of go along with the consultation are protocols by medical condition. Uh, so, like I told you, that that you know the combinations that you have to use, what method you have to use, really varies by medical condition. So, I'm creating video recorded protocols uh, for for people to to get access to uh, for those who don't have uh, direct access to me as as well. Um, yeah. Because you know, here's the thing: it's it's with the vision of leaving an impact on this world, and given what I've seen in the emergency room. I think medical marijuana is a much safer alternative, mm-hmm. and it has the potential to impact uh, people worldwide. It has the impact to save lives worldwide. Um, so, so you know that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing.
0: Well, that's very, very interesting. It sounds great. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share this with us. We've asked you a number of very pointed questions. And you obviously have considerable experience with it because you really came right down to where the rubber meets the road on those answers, and we really appreciate it. So are there any closing remarks? How can people get a hold of you?
1: Um, yeah, sure. So uh, I, there are two resources online that will be very helpful to your audience. One is my website, which you already mentioned, which is drrachnapatel.com. So that's D-R-R-A. C-H N A P A T E L dot com. Uh, another useful resource will be my YouTube channel. And if you just Google Doc, uh, Dr. rachna Patel plus YouTube or the Medical Marijuana Expert plus YouTube, it'll show up on the first page of Google. And this is where I answer a lot of commonly asked questions about medical marijuana. And you'll notice that everything that I say is backed up by some sort of research study. Are they the best research studies out there? No, but I always like to, to base what I say on research. So, um, and I also cite the sources there if you want to take a look at the original source. Um, and also, if you, if you have questions for me, you can post them in the comment section of the YouTube channel. And I do go in and try to answer as ma- as many questions as possible.
0: Well, we're the same. We're doing the same thing in that regard. We have a, a very active uh, YouTube channel ourselves. And I think it's a way to add value to the dialogue because then here you can just look at it and see what's happening. You get the education that sometimes we may not have time for in the office because these issues are more complex than just and on a YouTube channel, they can watch it two or three times if they want to until they get it squared away. Yep,
1: yeah. yeah, I agree.
0: So thank you very much, Dr. Ratsna Patel. We really appreciate it. It's a very interesting topic. You really helped us a lot with the science. We're going to have the links to your website there. And keep us posted. You have something else that comes up that, hey, Parker, this is something we need to talk with everybody about. You just let us know. We'll get you on again.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, if there, I, I have plenty of things relevant to the field of psychiatry, so um, I'll, I'll send over information, not, not a problem.
0: That sounds great. You have It's not evening out there, it's evening out here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> thank you so much. You have a good one, girl.
1: You too. Bye.
0: Bye now. Thanks for listening to CoreBrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. How to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.